This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. I, I led with the chin on that one and got what I deserved. Scott Owen. Just a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. A very good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott, Adam, and maybe Tommy a little bit later on as we're here on a Wednesday evening to recap another busy week as the Raw's A-League men's season draws to a conclusion. And well, it's been a road trip for them in the last week. Two draws away to Western Sydney and Melbourne victory. Adam, how have you been? Yeah, good. Uh, I think we're on double Raw and double Matilda's uh, recap this week and not not confirmed with I'm seeing double from uh, a heap of uh, shots today. <laughs> Not the alcohol ones also, either. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably should clarify, you don't mean tequila, you're talking about medicinal vaccinations and whatnot. Because yes. you're, you're one of those crazy people that believes in science. Like, I, I, <laughs> I don't know where you get it from. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> anyway, Scott, you're crazy, but for an entirely different reason. How are you? Yeah, speaking of tequila shots, I've had 17 before this, this recording session, so this should be absolutely fantastic. James, how are you? I'm a sleep-deprived new parent. What the hell do you think I'm doing today? <laughs> I'll send the tequila over. Way ahead of you. Anyway, this is the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. Very pleased to have your company as we recap the action from the Brisbane Raw, NPL, and all sorts of other news stories that have come out in the last week. If you want to get in touch with us, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, Instagram, Brisbane Football Review and on those social accounts you can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw match men's and women's and you can also find uh, on there as well latest news and updates from select NPL games as well as Scott and Adam go out to the ground Uh, you can also check out our podcast feed on A-League Live Wooshka, Apple Podcasts Spotify and several other good podcast platforms And on there as well, you can also find the very, very good NPL Sunday show featuring Scott and Adam as they recap the weekend results, which is your home for the best news and analysis on NPL Queensland and uh, results updates as well. Well, I was trying to pay you guys a compliment, but you're just sitting there looking incredibly stunned that I actually said something nice. So let's move on before it (laughs) It gets to... It is a first. It's it's taken six years for you to say something nice. It's a miracle, to be honest. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, will, I'm willing to admit, you know, best NPL coverage you will find going around from any source. Now, let's get into the Raw A-League uh, recap, and we will start with Saturday night out at Combank Stadium, and it was a late, late Daniel Margush brain fade and a cool, calm Jay O'Shea penalty that gave the Raw a point from Western Sydney, and they really were up against it in this one, weren't they, Adam? Look, they, they were, um... It was, yeah, it was one of those games where it, it just was, you know, drama-packed from from start to finish. Uh, it would have been a very, very different game. Uh, Cyrus Demi, who's uh, still sitting on, on the big duck egg as far as goals scored in the A-League, he, he had a great chance after two minutes. Had that gone in, that could have, you know, done anything to this game. But, um, but yeah, look, uh, it was a dramatic finish, a raw fighting back after being reduced to 10 men, came back from an own goal, and uh, yeah, look, and if I was giving, I'm, I've got the three points later on, but also as well, I'd officially like to give Daniel Margaret three points for his brain fade uh, <laughs> late. I have no idea what he was thinking in that 10, 15 seconds from the time that back pass came in until he tackled Alex Parsons. What is it about Wanderers goalkeepers and late brain snaps against the Raw, Scott? Well, it's about to bring that up, and do you want to compare it to Vedran Yenetovic, which is what you're referring to in his absolute howler up at Suncorp a couple of years ago, which did result in a late equaliser from Adam Taggart, I think it was from memory from the corresponding corner, but what's worse? I Honestly, what's the bigger brain fade there? I, I still think it's Vedran because he had no reason to play at the ball whatsoever, but that was some hilarity from Margush. I mean, I, I can't explain what he was doing. I actually would go the other way and say that Margush's brain fade was worse because it didn't result in, uh, you know, any tangible benefit for the Wanderers other than taking a few extra seconds on off the clock before O'Shea converted the penalty that um, Parsons would have scored from open play. And he also wound up missing the next game because of his red card. Now, whereas Yanjetovic was just 
I think that was a little bit of overconfidence from his part. And yeah, it was, look, it was equal parts funny and, you know, it was good to see O'Shea stepping up in the crucial moments while wearing the armband after Tom Aldred had been sent off for a second yellow card. But let's just stick with the ending to this game because, yeah, it, it was just funny overall, wasn't it, Adam? Look, it was. I, I don't understand why uh, he didn't. Why Margaret didn't play the odds? I know he he fumbled that uh, back that back pass, which seemed to be you know very very interesting to start with. You know the the length of it. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know why he didn't let go of the byline after he knew that he he had um he sort of stuffed up the dribble. I don't know why he he felt the need to to go and you know try and sort of play it out. You know, and then and then after Alex Parsons got onto it, then sort of yeah, fell on top of him. It's uh, that that I think was just um, pure. I don't think he fell on top of him. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, it, it, it was, was a so... great it was a great tackle. You see in another code there, wasn't it? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it was the second best tackle of, of the weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> by by a not by a non NRL player, mind you. But uh, yeah, look, it's um. Yeah, I just, I don't understand it. It must have been instinct. Look, to, to be honest, if, if I'm being objective, I actually feel sorry for him in a way. Yeah. But then I put my raw cap on, well, you know, you know what result's going to be from that. But uh, yeah, look, you can also give credit to Alex Parsons as well. That you know, Trying to shut him down, actually forcing you know, that, that air. And it just shows that sometimes you've got, you've got to, you know, put pressure on. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for him, to be honest with you, because I thought the raw in the second half were controlling the game, even with... 10 players, they were finishing the game really strongly they deserved a point out of the game, didn't they James so I, I think, well it was hilarity the way it came about, the Raw was certainly finishing the game strongly and they deserved a point out of it and Alex Parsons who you mentioned Adam, he had a really good impact coming off the bench of that 20 minute cameo his first appearance since returning from injury he was really good and really bright, he scored a goal which was offside, so I thought the Raw were coming home strongly and thought they were well worth the point yeah you might say, you know, it was a little bit of uh, good fortune, but also just reward for the Raw. Still trying to finish the game well, and it did come a little bit from the circumstances of them needing to chase down the 1-0 deficit that they found themselves in after uh, jacking its own goal. However, I would like to actually say, though, considering this is a results-based uh, business, if O'Shea had have missed the penalty or it had have been saved by the replacement keeper... Would Marcos have been actually been labelled a genius? Kind of like how I feel about Suarez's handball in the 2010 World Cup, where, yeah, okay, it was a bit of a dodgy thing to do, I'll admit that, but it worked, whereas this one didn't. And I think, you know, you just put the pressure on the Raw, they're trying to make them make that extra play, I suppose. But, yeah, that, that's the only point I would make. But, yeah, looking at it from a Raw perspective, you've got to give plenty of credit to Alex Parsons for... The fact that he was able to uh, rebound, like, or come back from injury and really, I would say, hit the ground running from, it sounds like, actually a pretty serious injury that has kept him out for the bulk of the season. Yeah, um, like I say, it's a good, a good return. And we, we obviously know the quality uh, of player that Alex passes as a young player. He, he certainly is a player that is, you know, has made an impact. And uh, he, it's almost like, yeah, he, he never really sort of... Um, he, he sort of took uh, came, came back from when he left off. So you know, it's encouraging signs. Another one of the young raw players that are uh, that really are starting to sort of show awareness. You know whether at the moment he's capable of playing a full ninety minutes and showing that impact, or whether he is an impact player. And that's what Warren Moon has him designated at. That, that's that's going to be, I guess, the uh, question for the last you know five six games of the season. But uh, but yes, yeah, certainly he he made a difference when he came on. He certainly did. Um... Yeah, and I, I, I do have to talk about Cyrus Demi as well. We're, we're seeing him get a chance to lead the line, and he is developing uh, this season. I know there are some frustrations with him uh, possibly staring down the barrel of a Yaya Sonogo uh, like debut season with no goals but a whole lot of you know near misses. The goals are coming for Demi. We can see that he's getting in the right positions. He's creating the chances. I, I think he just needs... I think we've said this for about three or four weeks in a row now. It's just one chance to go in. And, you know, against NPL where he has maybe that extra half second to line things up a little bit better, maybe that's all he really needs to uh, get them over the line. 
I think that's the thing in terms of to that extra half second you get at MPL level. It's actually something that a couple of the players in the squad, James, are having to overcome, isn't it, in terms of that... You don't get that extra touch at the A-League level, do you? If you? Your first touch has to be has to be perfect. Your second touch has to be the finish. And I think that's the thing at the moment where a couple of players for the Aurora are in that position where they've just got to get used to that. You don't have that extra touch, those extra seconds on the ball. So I think that's I think that's where it is. But with Demi, I think you're right. He's It's clearly there. It's not like he hasn't got the ability to score. We've seen he can get himself into the positions to do it. It's just that confidence. And when he gets the first one, I'm, I'm convinced. If he gets... If he does score in the next couple, I think he'll finish the year with two or three goals in the A-League because I think it'll be like, remember the old, you know the old saying, when you're waiting for a bus, you wait forever and then two turn up at the same time? I think the same thing will be true with Demi. Once he gets the first goal, he'll get a couple. Might even be in the same game, but that confidence, he'll just relax into it. You know what I mean? Once you get the first one, the pressure will be off the shoulders and he'll just relax. So I, I don't think it's far away. For sure. Now, um... Yeah, we may as well wrap this up with the uh, press conference audio from Warren Moon after the Wanderers game. Yeah, absolutely deserved. I thought we were the better team for most of that game. Uh, we started well. We uh, created chances. We were quite comfortable. Um, and, uh, yeah, they weren't really a threat until, you know, we were sloppy in that back end of the first half. Two cheap giveaways. They catch us on the break and um, we're 1-0 down and it's... Uh, there for us to do but we were calm at half time because we knew we were creating chances and we were on top in the match so um, even with the red card we weren't going to sit back we were going to try and go at them and we felt there was always a chance in it for us just curious in your thoughts on the end, the end of the match and I guess does that represent the power of persistence in football sometimes even when you think you're you know on course for a defeat something can happen you know I think it's just it's it's how I want my teams to play I think moving forwards I really want us to be uh that kind of team where we don't stop running, we don't give up, we go to the very last whistle and uh, we always think we're in a chance in the game. We spoke about it at half-time. We, uh, we, we felt we could get something out of the game and still go and win it uh, before the red card, but we, we spoke about staying in the game and even when the red card happened, we, uh, we worked really hard to stay in the game and create chances and, and openings and like I said, uh, I think that's just reward for our performance and I, I think the boys deserve that tonight. And that was Coach Warren Moon after the Raw's draw with Western Sydney. And just talking about the adaption of the NPL players to um, A-League level, we saw another one get his first start in the... Oh, actually, hang on. Damn it, I had such a good segue, but uh, I forgot about the 3-2-1 player votes. Adam, let's go uh, to you for those. Okay, yep. So for three points, I actually gave Jordan Holmes three points. I think there was a crucial save that he made uh, right right at the uh, in stoppage time, which I guess yeah, if you're a uh, Wanderers supporter, you'd be questioning whether it crossed the line. And that was, to me, that was yeah, the say the turning point of the game. If that's if that goes in, that's two nil going to half time and I don't know if the Raw gets back into it so that's why in part I think just Jordan Holmes has been very solid of of late since he come back especially since he come back from suspension uh, two points J.O. O'Shea what more can we say about him he's just yeah, you know, obviously the playmaker at the moment he's just continually just keeping that high stand and one point Alex Parsons for the mentions that the reasons that we mentioned you know impact in the last Last year, you know, 20 minutes or so, you know, had a goal disallowed and uh, provided a penalty that saw Jay Shea go to the spot and tie up the game. And that's actually a really good point on Jordan Holmes as well, Adam. That save just before halftime was definitely uh, huge. And I do think now what we're kind of seeing, at the start of the season, we thought maybe he and Macklin Freak would be, you know, 1A and 1B for the Raw. And... I kind of think with the way that those two have pushed each other as well, Holmes has had to take his game to another level to try and, I suppose, establish himself as the uh, tried and true number one for the Raw, even though he's wearing number 12. But um, yeah, it seems like Holmes really is uh, stepping up to the challenge. And it's it's nothing against Macklin Freak, uh, but it just seems like, yeah, Holmes is now going to be the guy for the rest of the season going forward, Scott. He's that established number 12, isn't he, Jordan Holmes? <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think you're right. And also the experience of his game from being over in England, particularly playing in the lower leagues, you can see that in him now. You can see the experience he's got. And I think he's he has really grown to it. You're right. The last couple of games, particularly we'll get into the victory game in a moment, he had made a couple of good saves in that game as well. So I think he really is growing into it. I think it was close earlier in the year, but then I think there's a bit of separation now between the two. And Jordan Holmes has done really, really well. Even... Even that game where he did get the red card, it was one of those freak things, wasn't it? It wasn't a, wasn't a um, 
didn't have a bad game. It was just that one moment. He's been really good since he's got that spot off Macklem. What was it? The yeah. mid-January away, yep. the Perth game? Down in Tasmania, he got his first start? Yeah. So which, he's done really well in all in pretty much all the games he's played, so he certainly has made that spot his own. Which, all things considered, like that wasn't exactly an encouraging uh, starting debut for him because that was one that they lost 3-0, 4-0? 2 2-0, okay. I don't know. I've, yeah. I lost track of Bruno the game. Bruno double. Uh, something to nil. That's right. But either way, like you can see two goals on your starting debut. You do worry that you know that might be something that knocks his confidence, but clearly it hasn't. And it's good to see. And he also was able to get a clean sheet last night when the rule went down to Amy Park and frustrated the Melbourne victory to no end, which, I'll be honest, kind of nice after uh, what happened down there in April 2016 with another frustrating nil-nil draw. It was just the other way around where... The victory this time were the ones that needed the uh, win. And the Raw, to their credit, held on um, with... And actually, I'll be completely honest, I kind of feel like they might be a little bit frustrated. They'd, frustrated. They yeah, didn't no, come away I with all three points. I think, think that um, Raw certainly you know, gave, gave it their all there. Look, obviously Melbourne Victory are flying at the moment. They're, they're coming off you know, a big uh, derby win on Saturday. Uh, but I think also as well that... Uh, the Raw weren't that bad. I think, you know, to, to categorise it as, you know, they were they were just frustrating victory and all that. I actually think uh, Melbourne victory, from my uh, from my view, I thought they actually were a little disappointing. I think that, with the exception of, you know, Jason Davidson had a great game for Melbourne victory, bombing down left-hand side. Um, and, and you know, Marco Rojas from time to time was also sort of causing some issues. But, um... Yeah, look, I think the Raw were, were good value for that point. And I certainly say it's a point well earned. I agree with you. I completely agree with you, Adam. Firstly, it is good to see the reverse of that 2016 game, and it's great to ruin someone else's <laughs> premiership hopes at Amy Park. But that was absolutely fantastic. I thought the victory were really flat. When they, Davidson aside, who, to me, I said before, he should be the soccer who's left back. Him aside, victory were tremendously flat in a game which they should have been right up for I think it's their second last home game of the season and if they are, were going to make a run for the Premiership they had to win that game and they should have been much more up for it than they were at least it seemed like so they were really flat with Brisbane I thought they went down there with a very clear plan didn't they they were going to work hard they were going to defend doggedly and they were going to try and hit them on the counter attack and they they did all of that except for score the goal and they had their opportunity to score Scott Neville had a couple of good chances at the end of each half there was the shot that went just past the post in the stoppage time in the first half the header late in the second half from the set piece. They had their chances at all. They just couldn't capitalise on them, unfortunately. But they were well worth a point in this game. And it was a very good good away performance at a place, James, where, let's be honest, Brisbane struggle. They don't play well in Melbourne historically. That was a really good effort on the road. Yeah, I, I will own up to it. I'm back at work this week. Had to write the preview for this game. I tipped the victory to win for that reason. I honestly thought if they were going to establish themselves as legitimate uh, premiership contenders needing to make up ground on their fellow South Queens, I mean uh, Victorian rivals, uh, City and Western United they needed maximum points from this one and it was a horrendously flat victory that maybe they were a little overconfident after belting City off the park on Saturday night maybe it was just a case of the raw, you know, showing I think some pretty impressive fortitude at the back and above all else some pretty cool heads as well to not get pulled into, you know, trying to stretch the game. On the night, had the Roar have scored uh, from one of their chances, I would have called it a smash and grab, but in hindsight, that kind of feels like it would have been a little bit harsh for the Roar, considering when they went forward, they did look dangerous, and they had their chances. That, that I think, is what's going to really uh, probably stick with me as well, when you know, we're doing the end-of-season review, and you think, you know, they, they really could have pinched all three points from that game. Probably, you know, would have had a fair case that they were on the back foot. There was some, you know, really strong defending um, from Kai and Scott Neville, Jack Hingett, all those guys at the back, and some excellent defending at the front from Juan Lascano as well. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I think, yeah, the defence especially have to be um, credited there, especially with... Um, especially the fact that Tom Aldrin was uh, was suspended for this game. And, uh, yeah, I thought they, they were really... They were really, really good. They were, they were compact. 
they sort of they turned away a lot of um, victory chances. Let's, let's, like with victory, they did have their chances. Uh, like I said, a couple of times, you know, Nick D'Agostino had had a, a, a good chance. Uh, like I said, Marco Rojas as well was sort of you know buzzing around. You know, he he's been in relatively good form himself. So to to hold them out without Tom Aldred, you know, as as sort of the rock at the back, I think going to a back four, especially on the road, I actually think actually suits. The raw more than that uh, three centre backs and the two wing backs. Yeah, putting aside your attempt at humour about the pressing from the front, which was as flat as Victory's performance there, by the way, James. But in, in the second half, particularly Alex Parsons' pressure on that left hand side, really closing down, trying to on the right hand side, Victory's left, trying to close down on that side. All it was really impressive, and that's it's, it's indicative of what we've seen. Is it that? In this game, the rule, the defensive pressure for the most part was absolutely superb, and it did start from the front in all seriousness. And that's where that, that, every coach say defending starts from the front, and I think the raw did that really well. It's probably the best defensive performance they've had this season, I would say. I, I, know I, it's, I know they kept a clean sheet, but in terms of a full defensive performance from the front to the back, I think it's probably the best they've had. I was actually talking about Lascano's oh, yeah. efforts. I think it was late in the first half where he found himself wrong place, wrong time. I think twice in about 15 seconds. I've completely blanked that from my mind. (laughs) Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Um, But no, you're right. It was like, it was putting those, you know, speedy players, the wingers, etc. in the right position. Parsons came on at halftime, I'm pretty sure, for Jez Lofthouse, who got his first start. I did try and segue to this about 10, 15 minutes ago. Now we can actually talk about it. Lofthouse, he doesn't... I think, the ta- again, like a lot of the guys the Raw have plucked out of the NPL, the talent is without a doubt there, but it feels like he's still not quite there when it comes to processing just how big, how fast, um, and how quick he's got to uh, do, do everything uh, compared to at NPL when he, he was, I think more often not than not, the fastest guy on the pitch and clearly a level above just about everyone he was playing against. Whereas now, like, whoever was his toughest, you know, marker in the NPL, he's facing a team of guys who are at the bottom end of that, as good as, if not better, than some of those guys he would have faced in the NPL, like, you know, Marty Asimic or Andy Thompson or something like that. And that, that I think, is one of those things that he's only going to uh, need to get better uh, when it comes to uh, minutes. I, I, it's interesting because I mean, when I was said earlier talking about um, Cyrus Demi and he's the, the, the um that extra what, that less time you get on the ball, that quicker and sharper you need to be. I think the same is true of Jez, and it's he got him. It is it's, it's not just his first start in the A League, James. It's also his first start period in almost twelve months because he was coming off the bench for Olympic in the twenty twenty one season. Ben Khan was managing him as he had a bit of an issue injury wise, so. He hasn't started a game for a long time. I, think, I do wonder if that was potentially a part of it with Jez. And, and despite all that, he did he did almost score, don't forget, right on stop, right on half time. He had that great opportunity. I think when, was it, it blocked? Well, it was blocked and then let yeah. to Scott Neville. So so he, he could have scored in the game. Yeah. So he had his opportunity in the game. But I do think that that little bit of extra physicality, that, bit, that having to do things a bit quicker, that's now he, he now that he's started the game. Starting game now, he's seen what that level is that at like, and that's what he needs to try and get to consistently. But I thought for a first up start in what is a tri- tricky place to go, he did did okay against a good team as well. Like you've got to give the victory their due. And playing on the same side as Jason Davidson, who he had to track back by the way as well. Yeah, it, it it certainly wasn't you know a soft landing by any stretch of the imagination, but you know it was also a bit of a reminder that. This is this is what happens with anybody when they are making that jump from the lower level of the National Premier Leagues up to the fully professional A-League. And, you know, we've seen Henry Hoare um, have that light bulb moment already this season, probably because he was playing in NPL South Queensland, which is, for all intents and purposes, uh, fully professional, if uh, some of those rumours are going around. But, um, yeah, you've got those guys that they have to just learn and... It is what it is what you get when you've got a squad that is, you know, filled out with a lot of those young guys who are trying to make the step up and learn how to be professionals, and it, it'll come. But I do think this is also part of the 
you know, growing pains that we are going to see when you've got a squad of players that are probably going to be two, three, four-year projects. Because, yeah, it, it, uh, and the guy I was thinking of last week, by the way, who um, needed like six months to even just really set foot in the NPL uh, in the A League, by the way, was Kenny yeah. It's, it's it's with Jez. I'm not I'm not surprised to be honest. I'm not I'm certainly not shocked that you know 45 minutes. You know he, he's had some time. Like I said, I, I don't. I know he was he is the bright he was the brightest prospect coming out of NPL Queensland last year. You know, and we've had hopes for years. But again, it, it just shows that you know the A League is a little bit better than some people give credit credit to. Because if a player like Jez Lofthouse is sort of still trying to find his way after a full season, you know, playing you know training and playing in a professional environment, obviously that the level between MPL and the A League is still big enough that players just don't rock up on day one and absolutely kill it. So, so I'm, I'm not surprised. I still think Jez Loftus is 12 months away from being what we can call, you know, a you know a full A League player. And and look, but that's, that's no, but that's no issue. I think I think it's a case of this with this young team that the Raw are building. Look, the be, the best the best of it's going to be 12 months away. We just go. I think you know, obviously in a results driven business, and obviously especially in this part of the world, uh, results mean everything. But um, yeah, look, I think um, I think it was, a, it was a decent performance from Jazz. I wouldn't be too worried that he got they only got forty five minutes. Uh, even even for the rest of the season now, if he gets you know bits and pieces here and there, it's next season that where I think you start judging as far as his ability whether he's going to make it or not as an A League footballer. Yeah, I would. I'm not worried about the forty five minutes either. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually a pre programmed thing, James. Given Alex Parsons was the player who came on to replace him, and, that, and he's been building up minutes since his return. On Lofthouse, I mean, Victory did clearly target him in terms of when the Raw were trying to play out in transition, and when the ball went to Lofthouse, they did try and really get hard after him to try and get the turnover on him, thinking they could potentially push him off the ball. And I think there were a couple of times there where he did have a couple of nice flicks, and he was able to turn and recycle possession. And that's that's really encouraging stuff that he has got, he has got the level. It's just... Again, it's a bit of a confidence thing, and also sustaining it for a bit of a longer period. Yeah, and that and that's the sort of thing that will come uh, with more time. And we were talking about this during the game last night as well. Is the fact that there are going to be opportunities for this young brigade of players, the you know Lofthouse, Henry Hort, Demi, Eli Adams, Alex Parsons. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, other players. Oh, Louis Zabala as well, who. You know, had a spell in Kai the... Truen. Kai Truen. Kai well, including that group. Well, I think Truen's now an established first-team player. I'm trying to think more of the guys that have just come in in the last 12 months or so. But, um, yeah, there was an interesting point that was raised in uh, Warren Moon's press conference, Scott, about the opportunities. Yeah, yeah so he was talking about um, the sort of... the expectations of what he wants to see between now and the end of the season. And it was basically... We've heard it a couple of times from now. He wants, he wants dynamic, fast, energetic players who are going to put in effort and work rate. And... That's what that's that's his priority now for the rest of the season. That's what he's looking for, and you can say that's a baseline expectation that every team should have. But it's not a bad place to start, is it? And there's certainly the last couple of games we've really seen an increase, it really increased in those areas. Again, the, particularly the victory game, there was the work rate and the desire and the desperation, James, to keep that clean sheet and get that point away from home was there. I think that was probably something that really pleased Warren Moon. Something he spoke quite in depth on last night in the press conference. And that is the press conference clip that we've got uh, queued up, isn't it? Yes. Cool. Let's go to that press conference clip now then. It looked like you were doing a really good job of getting a lot of bodies in between their attacks and the goal, forcing them to have to create something that wasn't a moment in transition. Was that something you planned coming into this one? It's just called hard work. It's hard, you know, and if I'm honest, we've... Uh, it's probably at times let us down this year with certain individuals, uh, but the, the players we put out in the park today are able to do that for us. They're able to work hard for longer periods, and when they fatigue, we brought young players on, more mobile players to continue the good work and, and keep our defensive structure and and just work hard. And um, tonight was great because we showed some real resilience. You mentioned before about it was a bit frustrating. Some players earlier in the season weren't putting in the effort compared to the group that you found now. How frustrating is that for you as a coach that it's taken you to like maybe to this point in the season to find a group of players that will get out there and give you everything every week? 
Yeah, I think my message has been really clear to my group. You know, I've been asking it, whether everyone uh, has been getting the message. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they think they have. Um, our results probably are there for all to see. You know, like I said, we're not happy of where we're at. We want to be pushing and challenging for finals. We're not at this stage. Uh, but we found, uh, you know, we've been banging on about it and we've been clear with our messaging. You know, those that want to work will play, those that don't won't. And uh, I think it's clear with the squad I picked, the people that travel, you know, uh, there's a lot of mobility, uh, a lot of work rate and a lot of desire to do well defensively for the team as well as do well with the ball. Um, and that's, that's critical for us as a club. Yeah, so that was what uh, Moon had to say after the game. And I suppose I want to angle this now to talk about what we've got uh, to look forward to going uh, forward over the next five remaining uh, games for the season over the next five or four or five weeks I think it is Adam is uh, you know let's be honest finals are a little bit optimistic but that does mean that we could be seeing a few more of these players trying to earn themselves a spot in next season squad I think the line I think after that really disappointing loss against Wellington I think that the line in the sand was drawn. And I think it's this suggestion that, you know, finals chances and all that, look, it, it's lip service at best, uh, in, even if you buy into it. It's see, like the Raw now, what, under Warren Moon, are now sort of, you know, they're thinking future. They're thinking, what's the best style that can go forward, you know, play out the rest of the season without the pressure of, you know, expectation of finals football, you know, go away, go into pre-season, and then come out the other side next season with an established style and, you know, progress from there. I think that's that's a priority. I think we've already started to see it. I think, um, the, as I said, the, the line was drawn you know, after that Wellington loss, and they're unbeaten since. So obviously, the, the message the message that came out after yeah. that after that night has obviously sort of sunk in, and obviously, well, we're starting to see a few players not featured that I think maybe the first clues that they may, their time at the club may be drawn to an end. Absolutely, and not only are they unbeaten, James, they've only considered one goal in 270 minutes of football since that line in the sand was right, and that was an own goal, particularly unfortunate one to concede as well. So for three games now, James, they've kept at- opposition attackers out of out of the um, goal-scoring shots, including Victory, who, as we mentioned, ran rampant against against City in the derby, as well as Newcastle with Becca Mikol Tadze, who is scoring for fun as well. So they've come up against some really good attackers in the A-League. In the last three games, they have been able to keep clean cheats with the exception of the own goal. So there is certainly something that they've found in this last three games. And, and I, I think, if you to answer the question, as what the next five games looks like, it's building on the last three. Just build on what you've achieved in the last three, build on it for the next five, and give yourself a good solid foundation to to launch into the off-season. Yeah, and for some of those guys that you are trying to, you know, boost their confidence a little bit, you know, maybe you give Cyrus Demi uh, the start uh, and he's physically up for it, because we know it has been a bit of a draining uh, run with a handful of midweek games in the last month or so. But, you know, maybe you give Cyrus Demi as many minutes as possible to try and give him the opportunity to break his duck and try and get the ball rolling on him as possibly your leading striker for next season. I, you know, for his sake, I hope he's uh, given a bit more time to develop and maybe bring in a senior player if Lascano is uh, not coming back. However, you know, you've got the guys there who can possibly come in and make a case to say, I think you've got... Uh, somewhere to go. Someone like Nikola Milayuznic, I think we know what he is as a player. We know he will be around next year. I think he's probably going to be back in a starting role uh, next season. If he's, you know, a line call on yep. being healthy, keep him on ice. Like, like I, there was that interesting line in the commentary, uh, though, uh, on, was it Saturday night, I think, in the first half? They were talking about still trying to make finals. Yeah. And... No, I did. I did hear it was early on. I I laughed. I I laughed when the suggestion was. That's why I say it's lip service at best about the finals chances. The the final chances are are, are gone. I I think if if they if they do get there somehow, it will not be by their hand. It will just be the case that they're the right they're at the right time, and other teams around them have failed. That's like I said. And like I said, it's it's a good quote for the media, but that's, that's about it. Yeah, just for the um, the sake of the exercise, the table does have Brisbane in 10th place on 22 points currently as we record 
Wellington are in sixth place on 30 points. They have a game in hand on Brisbane, so that gap could grow a bit further. So, I mean, we said last week they'd have to win all their games and hope, and they haven't. They picked up two points away from home, which was a very good result, but it probably does mean that the finals are probably out of reach, it's fair to say, James. Yeah, I, I think I think mathematically they're still alive, but that's about it. And look, I, I still want to see them going out and trying to win all five of their remaining games, you know, pick up maximum points. And if they if that so happens to be enough uh, to get into the finals, great. But I'm not hanging my hat on the idea of them, you know, saying that uh, this is going to be the primary focus for the remainder of the season. For me, it's now a case of just trying to accumulate as many points as possible uh, and trying to... I'll be honest, I actually kind of want to see them mow down Sydney FC. That's that's what I want the goal for the rest of the season to be. Nine points behind them with three games in hand while they're off doing the Asian Champions League. I think if you can finish above them, get into the 30s for points. I was going to say, I'll be happy with the Raw making sure that Sydney missed the finals. That's that, that's the, uh, I believe, the final, final game of the season. I think Sydney may have made sure that Sydney missed the finals based on uh, their collapse. But just sorry, night. just one but, final uh, point, James, just for yeah, go I, as well. We're speaking about prospects for next season. Scott and I discussed this on um, on Saturday night. Is that where does Connor Chapman fit in all this? Uh, obviously, he does. He, like I said, he we may not see him again this season, even though he's on a um, eighteen month contract. So he might be a case of, you know, what his fitness may be too far away to be do anything meaningful. He, he's going to be part of the setup. But, you know, we may not see him fully until next season. <laughs> Which wouldn't be the worst outcome as well, where, you know, I, I don't... Do we know what Rio Wada's uh, loan yeah. deal is? Is it for the rest of the it's season? It's for the end of the year. Uh, okay, well, it was a good idea in theory, but it, I, it clearly hasn't quite uh, gone the way that we would have hoped. As for, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of a squad overhaul, but... I don't think you need to make as many... I don't think you need to take a broom to this uh, group of players. I, I think there's something to happen as well. Like, And some of these players may not be around for good reasons as well. You might see someone like Kai Truen scooped up to go to an overseas club. He has you know, had his up and down moments this season, but I still think he's a very promising defender that could wind up drawing interest from... Asia or one of the, you know, uh, secondary European leagues. You could see uh, one, one of those young attackers. Parsons, we know Eli Adams has gone to trial overseas as well. You know, Henry Hall, you can't ignore what he's done. There may be players that need to be replaced as well because they're moving I on think to also as well, the one bit of hope as a Raw fan, and I think what Raw fans need to heed is that the the quote, the one quote that sticks out from Warren Moon is that, is that this squad is a couple of good players away from being a good side. So I think they need to recruit well in the off season. They've got they've got a good foundation of young players coming through. They probably just need that experience. Obviously, as well, you've got a Jay O'Shea, you've got a Tom Aldred. You probably am lacking one or two players just to really bed this squad down. I think that will be the challenge for the Raw, being, you know, from failing from, to make finals this year to, you know, being a finals contender and beyond next season. Maybe how they recruit in the off-season. Well, you look at the two, you know, big foreigners that Moon's predecessor brought in, O'Shea and Aldred. Aldred's had a horrible season with injury. I would hope that you know, he's uh, able to just get back to full fitness for day one of pre-season 2022. But you look at O'Shea, he's been getting played out of uh, position for most of the season as a deeper-lying midfielder. And he's doing pretty damn well at it as well. Like, I don't actually know off the top of my head, but he would be close to, if not in the lead, for our player of the season votes as well. Um, which, by the way, uh, Jay O'Shea, three points, Ramadak Bari, two points, jacking at one point for the victory game. Um, and, but you look at, like, the fact that he's had to basically adapt to a different role than what I think he is best suited to and is still excelling, if he can find like a balanced midfield to operate behind him, that's great. There's still, there's still room to, uh, you know, build this squad out. 
probably talk more about recruitment in a couple of weeks' time when the season officially ends, James. But it's always down to the visas, players, isn't it? You look at the visa players are absolutely so crucial. Adam mentioned talking about Sydney, they're going to miss the finals. Well, it's because their visa players are falling off. That's that's why, and it, they're so important to to the way the to way a side functions. You've got to bring you, you need you need to bring them in, but they also need to be of the right quality to push you to that next level. And I think the raw maybe a couple of them haven't quite lived up this year, unfortunately. That's where they might need to look at, and that, that's probably what Warren when he says we're a couple of players away from being a, a really good side. I think that's what he's alluding to. Just got to get that foreign recruitment right, James. Definitely, and we will talk about that a little bit more once the season proper comes to an end, and we're doing our uh, year-end review in mid-May, give or take. Now let's move on to the Matildas. They played two friendlies against New Zealand. Um, they won both of them. It was 2-1 in the first game on Friday night, 3-1 last night um, in Townsville and Canberra, respectively. I've made my thoughts on uh, all of these international friendlies quite clear. They're great, you know, for entertainment value, but in terms of trying to form too much analysis out of it, whether it's, you know, the Matildas, the Socceroos, whatever... They're friendly, whatever. I can take them To be honest, just looking you, before we actually get to the games themselves, just the, the team lineups, I have a sneaking suspicion that Tony Gustafsson has pretty much made up his mind what his core side is going to be going into the World Cup next year. It's very, very strange that he only made one change from uh, the Townsville game to the Canberra game, the starting lineup, and that being Caitlin Ford and Kaya Simon basically switching. Who are we know are basically interchangeable. But I actually think that you know, he's he's pretty much made up his mind on who is going to you know pretty much start at least on game in game one, the opening game in a year's time, uh, based on those those friendlies. But for the games themselves, well, geez, it's um. Yeah, it's one of those... Uh, we'll talk about the Townsville game first. Uh, despite having 37 shots on goal, uh, to win it in the 94th... Well, 96th minute. Um, yeah, that, that was uh, a real sort of, you know... I, it's hard to even put into words. I, I think it was um, a credit to... New, I think credit to football firms, first of all. But, uh, yeah, to leave it so late... Uh, yeah, that was fairly, uh, I guess entertaining would be the word I'm trying to look for. Scott, uh, quickly, and then we've got some breaking news to get to. Okay, so just quickly, and two quick, two really quick positive things out of these games. Um, I want to give a shout-out to the Townsville football community who got right behind that game up there in North Queensland on Friday night. It is a great football nursery, and it's good to see games up there. And also, congratulations to Ivy Lewick for the amount of money she raised for the Mark Hughes Foundation, and... Hopefully her brother comes through that fight all really well. In terms of the games, I mean, I think Adam's right. Tony Gustafson has clearly decided on what his preferred squad is, and I don't think there's going to be too much change in the next 12 months. You're going to have to play outstandingly well to force your way into this squad. I think it's pretty clear now he's got the group he thinks can go to the World Cup next year. On the Townsville game, I'm a little concerned by it, to be honest. I mean, yes, they had a lot of opportunities and all the rest of it, but it's a bit like the Asian Cup game where they got knocked out. They had a lot of chances in that game, they didn't put them away and they were made to pay for it. They were almost made to pay for it at home to New Zealand. They need to be more ruthless and the, the positive is I guess last night in Canberra they were more ruthless. They went three up early in the first half and put the game away. That's what you want to see from this Matilda side. If they are going to go on and do something at the World Cup, they've got to be ruthless and it's good Just to see the that they game, uh, last night. Some of the saves that Victoria Essam made were world-class. The, the header that denied Claire Polkinghorne, that that was... Uh, I'm not going to say... It's, it reminded me a little bit of the David Seaman save uh, all those years ago. We basically scooped it out of the net. There was some, and and there was some, obviously there's also some chances that they, they blew in the second half. There's one that stayed out the mind where Hayley Rasso... Uh, it was pretty much a two-on-one, and she chose to shoot rather than, you know, playing the in-ball through this to Sam Kerr, who had basically empty net in front of us. So there is still, I think, amongst those 37 shots, there were a few blow opportunities, but, geez, um, there were some, obviously there were some good saves. And uh, Anna Green's goal for, um, for New Zealand, uh, that was uh, something special. That, that was a, a damn good goal. World, world class, I'd almost say. I know it bamboozled Lydia Williams, but... Uh, but yeah, look, um, overall, 
I think there's still a lot of work to do for the Matildas, but I think compared to the Asian Cup, if they had have actually played like that in the Asian Cup with a bit more ruthlessness and you know and executed, I think that that career that career game where they you know they bowed out, I think they actually you know could have gone a lot further in that tournament. So I think they're tracking in the right direction, but still need a lot of work. Okay, um, two things quickly, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that David Seaman save. Arsenal tweeted 29 minutes ago on this day in 2003. Kaboom. David Seaman made that save, yeah. and it's the one. It's the one you were talking about. So funny you bring that up. Now the breaking news that I uh, teased before. I just have to scroll back up on uh, the Twitters to uh, find the story from Vince Rigari. It is about everyone's uh, least favorite topic: the idea Not of an Asian game. Super League. Uh, I oh, think. It's back. Uh, yes, Football Australia says it will take an open mind to talks on the creation of an Asian Super League that come barely 12 months after a similar idea pushed by Europe's top clubs was crushed by an avalanche of fan anger. Um, and that, look, I, I don't want to read Vince's story verbatim. Go find it as well. He's good at his job. He's a good writer. So go Does it th- mention if A-League clubs are going to be involved in any way? Well, Australia will uh, have a representative on the... Uh, committee, exploratory committee, and um, yeah, could have dramatic. Imp- oh, yeah, hang on, let me start this again. Football Australia has been invited to join a task force that will explore the creation of a new pan Asian competition. Um, uh, details are scarce and no firm proposal exists, but the concept was tabled at a meeting of the Asian Football Confederation uh, two weeks ago. To me, and I, I will get to you in a second, um, Scott. I am firmly against the idea of an Asian Super League coming up. However, I actually don't mind the idea of uh, Football Australia, at the very least, making sure that they're involved in this rather than just letting it uh, pass idly by because maybe it's going to be run slightly differently to that disaster that was proposed in Europe last year. Maybe they're able to steer it in a slightly different manner. I just, I'm, I'm Rather than be involved in the discussions then just completely dismiss it out of hand because let's be honest football needs all sorts of help I'm still skeptical beyond all belief about the uh, merits of the thing to be oh, me too, but but it, is, it's, it is very different to the um, European not so super league which collapsed of its own weight three days later because that was clubs saying screw you we're doing this this sounds like it's member federations and the AFC collaborating on something to try and revamp and improve the Champions League to a certain extent that seems it sounds like what is more to me as opposed to the club saying, nah, we're just going to go and do our own thing, which is what happened in Europe. So while it's being called an Asian Super League and comparisons being made to to Europe, I think based on that, it sounds like it's a little more, a little different in terms of who's actually driving it, which might give it more of a chance of actually happening. We'll have to wait and see. But Actually, Scott, you brought up a great distinction on that. And that's one thing I sort of, I know we ranted about, I think it was, it was last week, I think it was, whenever we did. Um, yeah, you're right. Is, is this an Asian... Uh, this is the Asian Football Confederation initiative, not a bunch of clubs trying to break away. Because you've got to remember, the European one was not done with UEFA's um, sanction. They wanted to break away from all that, which, which in the end, you know, was rightfully, you know, you know, as I said, crushed by, pub, by public opinion three days in. Whereas this might be um, at least say, something more, I guess, palliable. I'd like to see something like a, you know, maybe a Asian club championship. Not not such a league as such, but you know, an Asian club championship where you know you, you have a block of you know four weeks on the calendar, and you allow you know, the best teams in Asia to to sort of you know basically play off in that a, a select group rather than being the champ being a Champions League run over six months. So look, it might be stuff like that, something you know, extra. I don't I don't know about whether the Champions League needs to be revamped again. I think it's getting a bit you know I think over the top of you now forty teams. Um, across the two zones uh, in in the uh, in the group stage, I think it might be getting a little bit too cumbersome. But um, but yeah, look, uh, it's it's probably at least worth hearing out before we, we complete right off. I still think no, but no, but I'm gonna be open minded. I think that might be the message that's coming across. Yeah, it's a no for me, but not a for, no, but I'm willing to listen. Yeah. I'm willing to be convinced otherwise based on whatever their final proposal is. And you guys are right. That is the 
main distinction I can see between uh, the stupid European uh, proposal done by club owners that have got their sides into massive debt. Barca! Um, Haven't they come out of that nicely, all those European club owners, by the way? A lot of them are going to get driven out by their supporters, and they're all still there, unfortunately, in my club's and case. And the, the only yeah. one that wasn't, uh, he got driven out, yeah. but not for that reason, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good point. I just realised what you were talking about. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Like, you see the phrase Asian Super League, and you can't help but, you know, have the red mist descend and want to go off on your own little tangents. But, yeah, for me, I think it's going to be a bit of a. Um, I'll be interested to see what this produces as well. And, look, for all the, you know, narrow minded criticism that we're going to inevitably see on Twitter about. Uh, Football Australia being focused on the wrong things. It's an organisation that can focus on more than one thing at a time. They can, at the same time, be, you know, working on the uh, National Second League um, at the same time as just making sure that they're keeping pace uh, and up to date with what's going on in some of the other Asian competitions. I'll be very interested to hear what the APL's opinion on all this as well, given if there was to be a potential Super League and it, it was to feature an A-League club or an Australian club you'd imagine it would be an APL club wouldn't you so I'm very intrigued to hear what their perspective on this is I wonder if someone might get a hold of um, Danny Townsend or someone at the APL next couple of days to get their perspective on what the, this so the may one, or may not look like sorry the one thing I'm, I'm sure say is be... that you know you go article number one for this task force is you don't call Super League I think that word especially in this part of the world is so derided about about yeah you know, and the, and you, the, when you think immediately of Super League, you think breakaway league, you think you know basically greed and all that. So that'll be number one. Don't call it the Asian Super League. Call it the Bakari <laughs> Sweat League or whatever that uh, drink sponsor is for the Asian uh, Football Confederation Games or something. Just not Super League. That that's got to be the uh, primary thing. Um, yeah, there was one other. Actually, there was one other thing that. Um, came out late last night about FIFA Plus being launched a streaming service as well which we might uh, do a bit of research on and uh, discuss it next week as well when we only have one raw men's game to recap at the moment it's just classic matches and stuff they put Let's on just YouTube. hope it's bad we'll the other plus yeah. uh, stream that uh, that is uh, involved in football at the moment mm. <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut on that for obvious reasons um we will move on then. A uh, couple of quick news items that have jumped out. The raw leg- or the first four Raw Legends uh, for the game on Anzac Day have been announced. Scott? Yes, they've got four players so far. I'm throwing so it to you because squad. I have completely forgotten. Okay, so the four players are Matt Mackay, the, the, um, the long-serving captain of the club. He is going to be playing in the game once again. He's two of his former... Foundation players will be joining him, James Jonty Richter and Michael Baird, as well as Shane Stefanino, who we affectionately refer to as the Colonel, making an appearance as well. So that's the first four, and we'll see who the additional players are in the next couple of weeks. And why do we refer to him as the Colonel? <laughs> that outstanding yeah. Mad Monday costume which he had. More, I think he used yep. it more than once, actually. He had a couple of times, I think. Yeah, well, when you put that much effort into a costume, you've got to get more yep. than one use out of it. That's Absolutely. all. Absolutely. Um, yes, and... It's that, still the best costume I've seen from all the Raw Mad Monday photos. Well, a few, a few of the women oh, ones got, for, got pretty close there. They're, they're Mad Mondays. They're, yeah. There's some good ones, but yep. still the, the Colonel one still stands out. Um, and that game is, I think, kicking off just after midday on Anzac Day as well, uh, up at Morton Daly Stadium before the Raw take on the Melbourne victory, and I would strongly suggest getting out there for at least a little bit of that game. Um, now we'll move on. Uh, quick NPL uh, discussion as well. Standouts for the week, Scott? I'll go to the MPLW and the um, launch of that competition this week. Round 1, Lions SC. We know they've made a couple of changes and they've lost Shea Connors down to New South Wales. People think, oh, where are the goals going to come from with her moving on? No Marielle Hecker. Well, the Tegan Riding has a new co-partner up front with Rebecca Kirkup. Those two combined absolutely superbly on Friday night. I think it was four assists from Tegan Riding, four goals from Rebecca Kirkup. So, outstanding combination and just in case you didn't realise, Lions are still really good, James. 
Yeah, who, who could have seen that coming? It was a resounding win. Uh, look, I think uh, I'll go on the MPL men's side of things. Olympic are still perfect, and a few of their um, a few of their rivals uh, drop points. So uh, usually Olympic are known slow starters this this uh, in in the league. Uh, this year they're off to four four out of four, and look the side they've got at the moment. They can keep them all together and you know, and relatively healthy. They're going to be very very hard to stop um, on the march to the uh, premiers. The uh, to the premiership this year. Definitely, um, yeah, and you know Ben Khan has been toiling away. Might finally get that silverware that has just just eluded him over the last few seasons. I get the feeling like I don't know how much longer he's going to be at Olympic. I know he will, you know, stay there as long as he uh, is able to. But at some point he's probably going to move on for another challenge and you hope that he gets at least a trophy to uh, mark his time there as well. My standout is going to be on the game that I commentated on. Sophie Person uh, with the late show to not only uh, draw level with Souths, but uh, actually get all three points for Easts with the 93rd minute goal after the scramble in the box. Um, yeah, Heath Park, it's good to see uh, Easts back there. Uh, for the women as well, as uh, I think we're going to have a pretty interesting finals race in that competition as well. Scott? You mentioned East's back at Heath Park. Brisbane City also back at um, Spencer Park on Sunday in the FQPL Women's, and they're back there on Saturday night for their first men's game as well after the flood. So it's good to see some of these venues, which have been so terribly yeah, damaged. Big the last classic couple of for Easter Saturday. Definitely. There you go. Um, and if you want to catch a full recap of the NPL action, Make sure you tune in to NPL Sunday featuring Scott and Adam. And that is out, yep. strangely enough, every Sunday night. You guys record that hour or so after the final uh, whistle of the final game of the weekend. Are there any games on Easter, uh, Easter Monday? No, there's a, there's a Thursday night game. There are several Thursday night games. I may be commentating one of the Australia Cup ones tomorrow night uh, from... Uh, well, I'll be doing it from Brisbane, but it's up in Cairns. I will be in a air-conditioned booth as... Uh, Reba United and Edge Hill uh, face off at about 7.30 on the usual channels so that's Walter where Park I'll be spending us. tomorrow night and uh, what a way to what a way to spend the uh, day before a public holiday given the chance Cairns, tra- Walter Park I feel we've got the um, oh, come on. stick here <laughs> Cooper Roo Scott Co- it's Cooper Roo <laughs> and Walter Park not Cairns I will say that's a draw then Yes, joys of joys of remote commentary. You can go pretty much anywhere to do a game now without really. I was trying to build the illusion you were going. Why did you? you that, you've just ruined that. I, I, if you look at my Instagram feed, I've ruined that illusion already. Um, all right. Now the Raw. They're in action uh, on Friday, and they'll be hoping it is a good Friday down against uh, the Macarthur Bulls as their three-game road trip wraps up. And uh, I've got to be. I. A draw seems like the bare minimum. Yeah, from look, this game I th- I think um, a minimum for a point for the raw. I think, uh, like I said, their their road form previously has been sort of fairly sketchy. But um, look, uh, two two very very solid performances against Western Sydney and Melbourne Victory on the road, and I think that they're good for at least a point here. If if not all three, I think the only challenge is going to be whether the um, I guess three games in six days is going to finally catch up with them as we've seen so many times with so many other clubs. It's not just a, a raw thing. I think we can safely say that uh, Melbourne Victory were victims of that uh, last night. So that might be the only thing you can say oh, the raw, if the Raw's performance may dip. But um, look, I think they're, they're good for a point. Uh, MacArthur, look, look safe at the moment as far as their finals go. Whereas I think Raw, they really want to... I think they really sort of you know, have a point to prove as far as the end of the season where I think some players are playing for their contracts. Yeah, MacArthur, they've only won one of their last five games, and that was a home game against Perth. They have have had a seven-day break since their... I will have had a seven-day break since their last game away in Adelaide. I tend to agree. I think fatigue aside, and that's the thing we don't know, how the Raw recover three games in what will be six days at that point in time. James, it's interesting to see how they recover from that. But that aside, I think they've got a really good chance of getting something out of this game, particularly if they can take what they've found in these last three games into this game here against MacArthur. I think that they are ripe for the picking to get something out of the game. And maybe the Raw did win down there last year, so maybe they can 
back up the trick once again. Just quickly, Adam mentioned the um, the Raw's away record this year. This is their penultimate away game. Unfortunately, it's only one win from 11 with six points total. So away points have been hard to come by, but maybe they can get three points on the road this week. You never know. There is always hope for optimism, and we are going to stay optimistic here as we wrap up this edition of the yes, Brisbane uh, Football thank Review. You, thank uh, you, Adam. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you once again. As always, and uh, we will be back next week to recap all of the action from the last seven days, or the next seven days, however your tense wants to work there as I get caught in my own sentence structure. Uh, We hope everyone has a very good uh, Easter break, and if you can, get out to the grounds physically and uh, support the local clubs, especially those that are coming back from getting some of the damage uh, from the floods as well. It'll be good to see um, these sides getting back on their feet as well. And we're going to leave it there for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Have a good weekend, enjoy the football, and we will talk to you then.